You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. That one you're dedicated to all the bicycle riders, seen? Bicycle rider, bicycle rider. Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio program on Community Radio 3CR 855am and digital. And thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. This is Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio program about cycling and related transport issues coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, Australia. And my name's Chris, and I believe today is the 23rd of October, if I've got my head screwed on the wrong way, or is it the 24th? I believe it's the 24th of October, and it still feels like the middle of winter. Uh, <laughs> Melbourne has been uh, frozen solo over the last weekend, or felt like it, but uh, Lots of fun and stuff going on out at Woodend. I have um, quick audios and a few little um, grabs I got yesterday at the Single Speed World Championships held out at uh, Camry Waters just outside of uh, Woodend. And um, I managed to get an interview with a world champion, female world champion, Renata, I believe, who won the uh, cycle the kind of cyclocross come uh, single speed world championships and uh, I've said a couple of times on the show over the years it's just you know I wish there was more female representation and things like you know things like the course and all that were more than you know an event we had multi-day events and more female representation at higher levels well I managed to get a interview with a world champion so I'm feeling pretty chuffed about that and also on today's show main interview will be with uh, Sue Donovan and we'll be touching base again about the Warmler Street issue that's happening in uh, Abbotsford and it's a major issue for in terms of connectivity and people moving around that area because there's so much happening at that um, juncture of Warmler Street, Burnley Street, Victoria Road Lots of development, and uh, again, we're playing catch-up with um, things like uh, walking paths and shared paths and cycling paths and developers wanting to do things with, pro- you know, publicly owned roads. And there was a uh, public uh, consultation session, uh, not this weekend, the weekend before, at Richmond Town Hall with some fairly... I would say, robust discussion from the public, um, people from both sides of the river, from the Yarra and the Burundara side, given the option of option A or option B, and most of the people in the room chose neither. So anyway, I'll be talking to Sue today about that. And also just gone has been, the on the weekend just gone, was the uh, council elections. You may have been in an electorate where you had to have um, attendance voting, which gave it a little bit more excitement, where you actually physically turn up, or you went to a pre-poll, or and other places where you put things into an envelope and uh, send it off to the Victorian Electoral Commission. Now, in Yarra, we may have a pretty interesting thing turn up where we may uh, have a complete uh, change of uh, 
uh, you know, all candidates. We may, you know, obviously we're going to get people like Stephen Jolly and Jackie Fristacki back in, who have been uh, great supporters of sustainable transport over the um, since you know they've they've been on Yarra Council. We may get uh, a third uh, Greens candidate of Greens Council, I should say, and uh, we also may get um, another socialist and uh, some people that uh, oh, I could just say just. Um, just uh, quickly, that uh, it's going to be completely different <laughs> council we're going to be looking at. So um, I'm really looking forward to this. If you want to go to the Victorian Electoral Commission website and just look up some of the details, I, it's not declared yet. And in the uh, voting of uh, the uh, we did postal, it should be declared about the end of October, which should be the end of this week. Anyway, I am going to go straight into playing a little bit of audio I got yesterday. Um, from Single Speed Worlds. Now, please keep in mind that the audio isn't up to probably uh, broadcast quality because of my um, little Zoom 2 clapped out, so I had to grab it on my phone. And there's lots of sound and stuff in the background. And if you're wondering what it is, there was a lap where you could either go an extra couple hundred metres or you could do a shortcut by um, drinking a beverage. And you'll probably hear that being in the background. And... Uh, it was a very chilly day, but uh, I've got to admit the fashions on the field were far and above better than anything that you will see um, next week during the so-called Melbourne Cup. It was a fab- fabulous day. It wasn't really a race. It was a couple of hundred people having the time of their lives, belting around the mud, going through um, an interesting geological feature called uh, Yoda's Swamp. And uh, I get to talk to Renata at the end, who is now, I believe, Women's World Champion. So that was Pretty amazing. Coming up in a moment. Damo, today on the course, fashions on the field. All right. Yes, Chris. We had a fantastic day today. We had a lovely day. The weather's been marvellous. The weather's been incredible. Yep. Uh, it's been outstanding. <laughs> and what would you say, uh, the, the, um, it's not actually a race really, but what would you say is like being a... It's an event. Yeah. Uh, it's a spectacle. It's a, you know, um, it's a bicycle event. You know, people are riding around, there's a track, and we're all having fun. Everyone's a winner. That's the thing. And the costumes, I really think this, that has been like. Next week we're going to have fashions on the field and all that horse whipping season stuff here in Melbourne. This is this is oh. in, far and away. Yeah, everything goes here. You can see we have a theme of Carnival, but everything goes really. Um, you know, we've got my apprentice in the shop, Josh. Josh Abraham. He's, um, he's 15. He's out there, and then there's like guys who you know, Marg and. And, and dudes, you know, in their 70s cruising around. There is, there is no boundaries here. Hey, Tim, oh. you all right? Yeah, man. Yeah, cool. Sweet. Good That's on rad. Yeah. Loved it. Thank you. I'm just doing a quick piece to camera. Oh, I heard you on the radio. Yeah. It's nice to put a face to a name. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I was just, you know, broadcast partners. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, we need broadcast partners. There's, there's, there's the Alaskan chapter as well somewhere around here. Okay, good, good. Well, thank you, Cromley. No that's, that's all good, mate. All the best. Cheers. Beer? No beer. Beer? Beer here. how do you feel today about being uh, world champion? Awesome. How, how was the field? The field? Crazy. Crazy? Crazy. I wanted to see it, and I have to confirm it. It's crazy. And Yoda's Swamp, was that probably a highlight for you? Yeah, first time a world champion in my life. <laughs> Your fault is everyone. My fault. Never been single speed before today. And we're she's what? Where you get up a tattoo? You, you still, you still try to decompress, are you? And think about. I figure. I make a big He gets the tattoo for you. Yeah. Okay. We've just sorted it. You get the tattoo. They won't. They won't do it. You've got to win. Congratulations, everyone. World Championship. Not every day I'm, I make someone's world champion. It's an honour. Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy, and you're listening to 3CR. Please support Community Radio. Subscribe now. And you are indeed listening to Community Radio 3CR Yarrabug Radio. And uh, that was a bit of audio I grabbed from yesterday. And uh, that was Renata at the end there, so kind of a bit queasy about getting a tattoo because uh, the male and female winners of the uh, Single Speed World Championships will get a tattoo and I believe they may be getting it today or whatever. <laughs> so forgive the audio quality on that, but it was a lot of fun at a wood end yesterday. Okay, up next uh, should have uh, Sue on the line. Are you there, Sue Donovan? I am indeed, Chris. Sorry about uh, you. Kind of got your ears ripped off there by the by the Casanovas. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, okay, so we're talking about the Warmless Street issue again, and going back to um, it July of this year, I spoke to was it Mike Waller from the uh, Warmless Street uh, Warmless Street Action Group, and you are from the same group, Sue. Yes, yeah, Mike, the co-president, he's from the Kew side of the river and I'm from the Abbotsford side and I'm the secretary of the action group. Okay, so we're going to talk a bit about uh, last last weekend, uh, about a uh, consultation that was held at the Richmond Town Hall for residents concerned who had been in contact, contact with the planning minister, Richard Wynne. Can you tell us a little bit what was um, presented to the actual uh, residents at that meeting? Sure. Well, in the July meeting where um, several hundred people turned up, um, the minister realised that there was enormous community concern about the two um, salter developments either side of Walmart Street, and particularly relating to safety issues. Uh, Clearly, the um, approaches to Walmart Street Bridge and the Warmer Street itself, uh, which are to be transformed as part of these developments, are in no way fit for purpose either now or in the future. So the Minister, to his credit, put great pressure on the developer and said, really, what you've come up with in terms of access for bikes and pedestrians is far from satisfactory. Go back to the drawing board and come up with a new design. Three months later, they did, and last Saturday, the week before, um, the developer presented to about 80 people uh, to revise designs for 
basically the approaches to their development. They were an improvement on their original, which even the architects admitted were pretty bad, but in no way addressed the major problems of safety, both on the queue and the Abbotsford side of the bridge, and in particular the approaches to the bridge on the queue side, which at one stage um, measure only 1.8 metres, a disaster waiting to happen. 1.8 metres. Now... It's a fairly contested area down there. It's under a lot of pressurable development. And it's kind of concerning that these like very important uh, planning issues are to do with um, connectivity and people getting from A to B are kind of being overlooked and the, and the developers seem to be pushing the agenda. Uh, Absolutely. Um, this, and the strange thing is what came out of that meeting at Richmond Town Hall is we're getting totally different messages from the Department of Planning, Richard Wynne's department on the one hand, and um, Yarra Council on the other. I mean, you wouldn't think you were talking about the same place. It's very odd because um, also in play here, we're looking at from a um, cyclist and pedestrian perspective is uh, something that's been bubbling along in the background for well over a decade is the Gipp Street Step situation. Now, earlier this year um, at the Yarra Bicycle Advisory Committee meeting, we were lucky enough to have someone come along from Parks Victoria and give us a bit of a briefing what was happening there and that Parks Vic were looking at removing the Gipp Street Steps and putting ramps down there which is great for access, you know, because it's, you know, it's pretty hard if uh, you've got you know, a walker or a stroller or a bike or you're on foot. And part of that plan, when they finally get it done, because they're apparently uh, in the process of looking at titles and acquisitions, is continuing it around to Flockhart and then, you know, possibly moving around then to the next part, which is Warmler. And it just doesn't seem to be any kind of overall plan for such a um, vital inner city area. And this has repercussions for other areas where things just get overlooked, you know. It's not just the inner city. We have areas where there's something that's been overlooked or not planned for for 20, 30 years and things don't get done properly. No, one of the problems is there are so many different authorities involved in Warmer Street. On the one hand, there is the... um, And it's complicated by the fact that the site on the western side of Warmer Street is actually a priority development zone. So that doesn't even go to VCAT. That's dealt with entirely by the minister. But the minister's office say that they've really got no jurisdiction whatsoever over the bridge and the and the approaches to the bridge, which in our view just um, is ridiculous. And, and Yarra Council, on the other hand, whom they say are responsible, say no, only the minister convene, can convene a working party of all the people who must be involved. Vic Roads, two councils, Melbourne Water, uh, the parks, um, and that's without including the cycle groups mm. and the residents. So it just seems like a no-brainer to us. The council say they can't do it, um, and the minister's staff say they can't do it. So it's an absolute stalemate, and it seems extraordinary. Because part of the meeting at that um, at uh, the last uh, Saturday we went to down there at uh, Richmond Town Hall is that uh, the meeting unanimously called for a working group. Now, what was the progress yes. on that? Uh, well, we, well <laughs> there hasn't been um, a word from. I, I think the um, I think the ministers people are sitting there wondering what on earth to do. At that meeting, if you remember, Chris, they presented the architects presented uh, two options for approaches to the um, to their um, developments. But of course, what they didn't show were any um, cross sections. So one of the people at the meeting was a um, was a professor of, of, of 
physics at Melbourne University, even he couldn't read their plan. So there was just not the meaningful information there for people to make an informed judgment. However, having said that, the people at the meeting were um, very intelligent, articulate people, and they did give enormous feedback on the two options that were presented, and really neither of them was acceptable. So we haven't heard a word from the Minister's Department yet. The council elections were held, and we think that may have some bearing on Yarra Council's attitudes in future. Um, but really something needs to happen quite urgently, else we'll find a situation where Minister Wynne has granted a permit to Salter, the developer, without addressing any of these really quite major issues. Because something very important that was brought up, uh, table I was on, I was, uh, sh- well, Steve and I were sharing with uh, John and Glennis and some Kew residents. John and Glennis were from Burundara Boss, we use as a group, our compatriots over the river. Glennis brought up a very important point, you know, because most people aren't used to reading architectural drawings. Um, you know, these two, these couple of little lines that were on this bit of green, okay, they, that, that yeah. was the... Uh, Building overhang. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you see going, the, that has a, yeah. <laughs> the developer keeps talking. Has been talking about Warmer Street Plaza. The situation is that, um, and you hear a different view from the council and the Department of Planning that Warmer Street. Um, itself has been decommissioned as a road and was theoretically to be turned into a plaza with a t- a tunnels going into the Salter. Um, car parks on either side of Warmer Street and when the revised designs had reduced those two tunnels down to one. But even the architects at the meeting admitted there's no way it could be called a plaza. What we're all talking about is a major thoroughfare. Mm. We all know that um, Warmer Street is part of Vic Road's principal bicycle network, a major commute route. So to say there's some little plaza there is just absurd and I think even the architects are now admitting that. Well, um, if it's been taken over privately, wouldn't there be something in the Government Gazette uh, that's worth researching to pack that up? (laughs) <laughs> Again, um, the two, two um, the, the people from the minister's office told me the day before the planning. Oh no, the council owns the um, former street, and what will happen is the minister will grant a permit to the developer, and it's up to the developer and Yarra Council to negotiate a price. I, the same, next day, I spoke to Yarra Council about it, and they said that's nonsense. Um, all that in that Salter will acquire will be the subterranean. Um, rights for some sum of money, supposedly, but poor old Yarra Council will be given the job of maintaining the area. So there's been a lot of marketing spin and stuff that's where the developer, quite frankly, has tried to hide the truth from the community, but fortunately his community are pretty sharp. Well, again, with roads management, there's the Roads Management uh, Act in Victoria, and that more sets out if it's Vic Roads or it's local council you know, or a freeway, and that'd be easy to look up if Vic Roads has jurisdiction over that or Councillor has jurisdiction over that because I believe that the actual Warmer Street Bridge going back to some construction work that was done on it 12, 13 years ago or whatever was Parks Vic. This stuff should be easier to um, research and look at if you're, if you're you know, within the state government. They should know what they're talking about. 
<laughs> I mean, you hardly believe this, but the yeah. department rang us, the, you know, residents, to find out who owned the bridge. I mean, the lack of information within the department itself is, is, is quite extraordinary. I mean, the bridge was built in 1870, mm. and it's just in no way fit for purpose either now, let alone into the future. Um, people from the minister's office said to me, oh, well, Yarra Council can pay for a new bridge. They're rolling in money. Well, but nothing could be further from the truth. Well, they've got rights capping. Uh, we just can't understand this reluctance um, for the minister to take leadership in this and say, hang on, uh, we've got to bang some heads together here. Everyone's got to get together, find an acceptable solution, not only for now, but for the future. I mean, we all know that cycling to work has um, increased exponentially since um, Salter acquired that site and the permit to proceed in 2008. I mean, there's got to have been a quadrupling of bike traffic in that time. Uh, yes. And yet nobody's addressed the problem. There's no data even. Well, there should be something via the Bicycle Network Super Tuesday stuff and something someone should be trying to get in and pull that apart because it wasn't, yeah, and it wasn't until like, you know, the Warmler Action Group and people in that area started pointing out in the last year or so that those that's wooden ramps down there were going to be removed and no one was like, none the wiser. This is the thing that, you know, why are these decisions being taken, you know, almost arbitrary that have massive exactly. implications? It was the removal of the bike ramp that got everybody involved, really, on both yeah. sides of the river. Um, up till then, the queue people hadn't known the Abbotsford people. None of us knew the cyclist. It was kind of like the farmer and the, you know, the farmer and the whatnot can't be friends. Nobody knew each other. But the idea that that bike ramp was being removed, and you can see why, it's on mm. the absolute prime part of the river. No doubt that'll be the most expensive apartment of all. Mm. Um, that got everyone galvanised in the fact that Salter were planning steps, you know, quite a big, um, by raising Warmer Street, quite a big um, lift up. And if you weren't able to use the steps, i.e. with a bike or a pram or a wheelchair, you had to do an enormous detour. No. Um, so really, the community was being treated with contempt. Well, it's and, also... Uh, uh, reacted accordingly. Yeah. Also, I remember um, looking into some of it, the Yarra River Defender down there saying that there's some rocks and habitat down there where the local river dragons like to get up and sun themselves. Now, how come they have got a say into this? It, you know, they've been using it for a I lot know. longer than us. <laughs> and exactly. We've got a you know, human-centric, exactly. you know, and it's quite interesting. So you've got to... We give the minister credit. He has, you know, he has at some cost and time convened community meetings. Um, but unfortunately for him, the community hasn't given the answer that they've been hoping for. They were hoping that last Saturday's meeting on the 15th of October, the, um, that the community would opt for, you know, one of the two options. But really, all that highlighted was the even more significant problems in terms of really um, separation of significant separation between cyclists and pedestrians and other wheel traffic. Um, and um, I think they've gone away, the department, with the very good suggestions and critiques made by those present at the meeting to think, you know, we're next and we're just really worried. Mm. Um, and when I say we, I think I'm speaking for Yarra Council and Borondara Council as well whom I've spoken to in the last day or two, um, really concerned that the minister may give in to pressure from the developer and just say, oh, to hell with the community, here's your permit. Well, so, There's a lot of urgency about this. Here be dragons, because what's happened in the last week and a half, probably the same day this was going on, we had the, well, Melbourne experienced the de um, demolition of the Corkman Hotel, and I'll yeah. in uh, Carlton, and that has been one hell of a community catalyst around these issues, planning issues. Yeah. There was no planning permit. 
They went in and demolished a 150-year-old um, pub. They, play, they paid overpriced for it. And they just thought that, what you know, it seems like the developer thing of just basically, who cares, we'll pay the fine and we'll get away with it by, you know, flipping it and, you know, building um, apartments on it and getting, you know, tens of millions of dollars and who cares. And this is a thumbing exactly. the nose and we're seeing it again. Fine, we'll, we'll, we'll cop the fine because it's just a cost of doing business. That, yep. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that the um, council elections this week are just conveying a really strong message to the minister. Exactly. The community is outraged at the fact that the developers' interests are so... Um, considered um, and the communities really are overlooked. You know, credit to Minister for Wynn for calling the meetings, mm. but um, they've got to listen to what the community is saying and the community are very um, well-qualified people. You know, there are architects and engineers and economists, you know, all of one mind. I mm. mean, that's what's been so great about this is that cyclists and the pedestrians have come together and are in total agreement. There's no conflict between their views at all. Yeah, well, that's the thing that kind of really struck me is going on to the initial meetings. It's people from Kew and people from Yarra and mm. we're, like you were saying, the analogy between, you know, farmer and dock worker, I'd say, <laughs> and uh, we all seem to be getting on. The so, farmer and the cowboy can't be friends, that's right. And yeah, well, we can be friends. The pedestrian and the cyclist can't be friends, now, of course they can. very quickly summing up, what can people do to um, move on this issue? I've got uh, two minutes to... Okay, I think right to the Minister for Planning, um, Richard Wynne, what I always do is I actually go to his office in Smith Street, um, Richard Wynne's office, and I... You know, I take I take um, not just emails, but I actually have hard copies of things. I walk into the office and they say, "Oh God, not you again." Why not? No, everybody's upset <laughs> about this. Mm. Um, so um, the fact is that um, the city of it, um, yeah, um, Richmond is a very marginal seat. The yep. Greens have made great gains, and in the end, unfortunately, these things boil down to numbers and politics. So I'd urge everybody to build upon the success of the Greens and others in the council elections and write to the minister and say, really, um, it is up to you to take a leadership role. This could be your legacy. You could call it the wind bridge, perhaps. Um, mm, that, that, really, yeah, that appeals to legacy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except the fact there is no plaza. Um, I mean, here we have the develop. I mean, busloads of um, of people from Asia are turning up on um, regularly to the sales office. There, they're selling these. They're selling these apartments, signing people up without even having a permit and without the major access problems having been solved. It's extraordinary, really. So people so, right contact Minister yep. when contact the minister, say, um, really as a cyclist or as a resident, you are deeply unhappy at the lack of action. Somebody's got to take a leadership role and we believe it should be you. And also bring back into the Corkman thing, which yeah, saw CFMEU have brought in their first green ban in over 30 years. So um, here I be know. dragons. If you, don't listen, if you don't listen to the public, you don't listen to the real stakeholders, um, yep. state government and Richard Wynne could be finding themselves in a bit of deep um, proverbial. Yeah, yeah. I think he, you know, he has he has got the community's interests yep. at heart. He's a good person, but in the end, we need some action. Yeah, um, d- uh, we need some leadership and not just caving into developer needs. Well, Sue, so thank you so much for today. And um, I hope to see you on the bridge. I'll, I'll see you down there shortly. <laughs> thank you. Good. Okay, Chris. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, 
This panel is now on air. In July 1976, from an old warehouse in High Street, Armadale, 3CR Community Radio hit the airwaves, heralding 40 years of independent, community-owned and controlled radio. This will be the first station owned and operated by a cooperative of community organisations on a Melbourne-wide basis. This is 3CR. As the status quo of old media is challenged, as publications come and go, in a country with the highest concentration of media ownership in the world, 3CR continues to broadcast radical, insightful radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're not talking about land rights, we're talking about sovereignty. That's why it's important for us to be at the 10 Embassy. From the protests against the Franklin River Dam to the 1998 waterfront dispute, from the east-west tunnel picket to the Aboriginal 10 Embassy, the history of 3CR is dynamic and passionate and ongoing. I was born here. I will die here. I am not moving. So as we celebrate 40 years in 2016, we ask you, our volunteers, listeners and supporters, to join in in saying... Happy birthday, 3CR. And all that's got time for this week on 3CR on Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio. And thank you to Damo Renata uh, from the Single Speed World Championships. And I hope you got through a bit of that bad sound quality, but was redeemed by playing a bit of the Casanovas. And thank you to Sue, our guest today, about uh, Walnut Street issues. And please take heart that uh, planning issues and uh, cycling issues are intertwined. So... Thank you so much for today and don't forget to donate or subscribe to 3CR. Go to 3cr.org.au and make sure that you subscribe or donate to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio to keep us on air. Up next we have Dirt Radio and I will be back on air in about a fortnight. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.